Good afternoon, beautiful people. I'm keeping all my content free of charge so there's complete transparency so everyone can get the benefit of all the information. This is a completely independent podcast, but any monetary support is greatly appreciated. Click the support this podcast link at the end of the episode description for more details. Now back to the show. Due to popular demand, you can subscribe to Kiko's Freethinkers Forum on YouTube. You can watch all of our videos there on our YouTube platform. Now you can also subscribe and listen to any of our audio on Spotify, Anchor, Radio Public, Podvine, Podbean, Amazon, and different platforms. Please tell your friends and family, and I hope you enjoy your day, beautiful people. Good afternoon, beautiful people. Welcome to another episode of Kiko's Free Thinkers Forum. I am in the presence of a very special guest. His name is Gerard uh, Kube, and he is a professor and a personal friend of mine. He's an assistant professor at McDaniel College in Westminster, Maryland, and he got his PhD at the University of Tennessee Knoxville in French in 2018. We're going to talk some about his dissertation. Previous to that, he got his master's degree in, Fr- in Francophone Studies at the University of Oregon in Eugene. And prior to that, he has a master's degree. He has two master's degrees, one at University of Yaoundé in Cameroon, the country that he's from. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, start off the conversation about Cameroon and transition over to other affairs. But uh, Gerard, I just want to say thanks for accepting that invitation and welcome to the show. I can't wait to talk to you. Thank you, Kiko. I'm the one who is honored. Oh, yes. Don't don't be so humble. No, I'm honored, too. I really am excited. It's been a while since we've talked to each other, but we've always kind of kept in touch with each other. This is going to be a great conversation. I know it is. And you've been one of many professors that's um, been willing to join the show and share just um, kind of into our world and insight into the professor world and the stuff that we go through and the struggles and the ups and the downs. And um, hopefully the audience can kind of get that connection between um, the professional class, which is us, versus um, people who may not have those same ties to academia. But I think everyone appreciates it. And I want to start out by asking you, um, for audience members who may not know a lot about just the continent of Africa, you're from Cameroon. Tell people as far as where's Cameroon from? And maybe it's something about the culture of Cameroon or the cultures of Cameroon, the languages spoken, and where you're from personally. Okay, Cameroon, Kiko, I will say Cameroon. We used to call Cameroon the Africa, Africa, because everything that you find in Africa, you can find it in Cameroon. It's African in miniature. That's how we call it. Because um, uh, also because Cameroon is right in the middle of Africa in what is called now the Guinea Gulf, the Gulf of Guinea, that's how we say it in French. And Cameroon, the particularity of Cameroon is that Cameroon was colonized by many, many countries, by many superpowers. We first have the, the Portuguese, and then we have the, the, we have the Spanish, and later after the, after the, the Berlin conference that took place from 1884 to 1885, 
German took uh, control of Cameroon, Germany. And it stayed that way until uh, uh, 1960, after Germany lost, lost the First World War. And then we were, we become French and British because um, France and Great Britain took control of the of Africa of Cameroon. We have in Cameroon we have ten region, ten regions, and eight of those regions were in the French part. It means that they speak French, and two regions were uh, the the property of Great Britain. Those are the two uh, part. Uh, those are the part of the of my country was where people speak English. And we will come back to that later. But those parts in my country, right now they are they are trying to build their own country. They want secession because they think that they are marginalized. Mm -hmm. But before we come to that, that's how I can present uh, Cameroon. And what is also uh, important to, to say is that we were uh, Cameroon was independent on January 1st, 1960, 1960. And from that time until now, we only have two presidents, two presidents, yes. <laughs> and we are a democracy. <laughs> I'm laughing, you understand what I mean? <laughs> and yet it's very different from our system in the yes. States. We have 200, more than 270 languages. And I do, I do have a question about that before. You mentioned all these um, nationalities. I did not know anything about that. About the, um, I knew some about the two provinces with English and then the eight were French, but I didn't know anything about just the transfers of power between, um, you mentioned the Portuguese, the Spanish, the German. I did not know that there was so much colonization going on in Cameroon. Um, what what cultures were there before all the colonization occurred, before the Europeans were there? Um, I'm assuming that that's part of the 270 different languages you said in the country? Yes, absolutely. We have, people were living there before the, before the, 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 the Portuguese or the Spanish. And all these, all these uh, small kingdom are still there. But it's also important to, 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 to say that People who live there right now, some of them come from, from, from Ethiopia and some come from the west part of Africa, from Ghana or from Senegal and from Mali. For example, our first president, we used to say that he has some parents in Mali. Then people come from all these parts in Africa and then they, they, find the, 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 they, find, they, they, they stop in Cameroon. People come from all over the north of Africa, and then they stop there. And you also know that uh, in Cameroon, we have the north part of Cameroon is the is like a desert. Desert people who live there is almost like a desert. And in the south, we have the forest. Mm. You see that people could not go, could not go uh, beyond the forest. That's why we have some 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 other people there. They stop there. If you can say that mm -hmm. the Portuguese, the, herit the heritage we have from the Portuguese is that they are the first to give us the name Cameroon because when they arrive in Douala, 
which is the, the, the big city, the economic capital, they found that we had so many, so many shrimp there, shrimp. And they called the place Cam uh, Rio dos Camarões. Mm -hmm. It means a river full of shrimp. And mm -hmm. then the, Spain, the Spanish come later and they transform the, they call the same, the same river in Spanish, Rio dos Camarones. I'm sure mm -hmm. that you understand that. <laughs> yeah, claro. <laughs> That's where the name Cameroon, Cameroon come. And then from Camarones, Camarones, and then the German, they call it Cameroon with K. Mm. Cameroon with K. And later we have Cameroon in French and English with small C. But still, Cameroon still, uh, uh, still call Cameroon with K by some nationalists. Right. Cameroon with K had a, was really huge. And in, uh, some part of the territory went to Nigeria some other part went to Chad and to the Central African Republic. It was really huge, huge country. And we, I can say that we lost almost a half after the German lost the First World War. Mm. Is that the reason why there's the K in the Congo? Mm. No, Congo is different. Congo is a little bit, um, a little bit far from us because you also you need to know that we have two Congo, right? We have mm -hmm. Congo with Brazzaville as a capital, which mm -hmm. is which is really our neighbor. And on the other side of the Congo River, we have the DRC Congo. Mm -hmm. Yes. Then we can uh, we are not uh, Cameroon is not called Congo. Congo can be the name of a huge, a huge uh, territory that in the middle of Africa from the Congo with Brazzaville as capital mm -hmm. and, and all these countries that is below the, below the equator, I can say that. So Kinshasa will be the capital of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Yes, Kinshasa is the capital of Democratic Republic of Congo, called, previously called Zaire. Zaire. Mm -hmm. Zaire. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is important to sort of get these on because there's a sense, at least in the United States, I don't know how it is in Africa, but uh, the people that I encounter don't have a great sense of geography in the United States. And I think that's the reason why um, these different communication networks can, can manipulate the people because they understand that we don't have a good grasp of geography and culture and stuff. And so that's why I think it's important just to have that base, um, to know where places are, because um, we don't hear about Cameroon a lot in the news, if at all here in the United States. You, you know how we are here. We have a very Eurocentric, Western Europeanized media. All the information we get is from that perspective. I don't ever hear about Cameroon. Like I did a Google search just to see what would come up with Cameroon the other day. Very little information came up, I mean, and the information that does come up is always um, um, the catastrophe-driven type of headlines, um, which is very prevalent in the United States. It's almost like life happens here, but outside of this bubble we live in, it's only disasters, catastrophes. They don't 
consider that they're actual people living in those places. They have their own way of living and their own mindsets and, and perspectives. And, and that's kind of why I want to bring on the forum is to show that it shouldn't be focused. You, you have to look outside of your zip code. You have to look outside of your neighborhood. You have to look at other places and maybe you can learn more and you can grow your community better because you have a better understanding of how the world functions. Like the, we're really in it together. And I don't think that that's promoted enough. Togetherness is not promoted enough. It's always um, division sells, separation sells, and people coming together is not something that um, the people who make money off of that want to see. They don't want to see people come together because that would mean we would actually have to solve some of the problems that we confront. Yes. But, um, I, yeah. If I may say, people don't know a lot about Cameroon here in U.S. because first, we speak mainly French there. Mm -hmm. If you talk about Africa here, people know about Nigeria. <laughs> Nigeria, mm -hmm. maybe Kenya because of Obama, of course, mm -hmm. and also because these countries speak, French, speak English. And it's, only, it's just recently that people in, from Cameroon start to immigrate to the U.S., Maybe before we had some people from the English part, from the Anglophone part, who immigrated here. But France and especially Paris was the paradise of people in Cameroon. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the colonial relationship. That's why we... <laughs> Which I'm sure we're going to talk about that relationship. <laughs> that has, man, basically deals with your dissertation and, and the, kind of like your focus. Um, between um, colonized peoples um, in Africa and then this relationship that France has over the continent, really. Um, there are other European powers, but France is kind of the first one that I think of when we talk about imperialism spreading across Africa. But to your point, even about Nigeria, when people think of Nigeria here, when I was a kid, whenever I thought of Nigeria, the news always connected that with um, corruption, and in Nigeria, the money schemes, the Ponzi schemes and the email schemes, people trying to get your bank account information and steal your money. So even that connotation here, when people hear of Nigeria, is not a positive connotation. It's always something that's negative. And, and I think it's important for people to realize um, this nationalism, fever of nationalism, falls into that when people are very nationalistic it's a mindset where it's um, my space is so special, but your space is something else. And that's why I try to avoid that type of stuff because I think it can be really dangerous when you start comparing your space to somebody else's and then everybody's proud of their country, you know, whatever. I mean, that's not something to be like, oh, um, this is the best place ever. If you go around the world, most people love where they're from. Um, believe it or not. I know people don't believe that, Everyone wants to come to the United States, though. You know, Gerard, you know, that's what they always say. Everyone wants to come here. But that's not necessarily true. I mean, in this situation, in Cameroon, maybe Cameroonians want to go to France. Maybe from that perspective, France is, sort of serves the same purpose as the United States. Yes. When you talk about these global struggles and powers. Yes, but not yeah. anymore in France. Not anymore? <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we learned a little bit about your um about the culture of Cameroon and stuff. And um I get I want to kind of get your vantage point 
as far as cultural intricacies that may be present in Cameroon and the rest of Africa, because um, I bring this up because during the World Cup, and I don't know if you watched the World Cup of football. Did you watch it? Of course. Okay, did you hear about all the chatter between uh, Morocco? Because people on the Moroccan team made the comments about how this is for the Arab world and the Middle East. And a lot of people didn't, a lot of the black Africans that I saw on social media was so upset because they made it, they portrayed that as Morocco wants to separate itself from the black Africans. And they want to, they want to be represented by the Arab world exclusively and the rest of the Middle East and the Near East and Asia. Um, is there, is that a real thing? Is there a tension between Arab cultures in Africa and black Africans? Or is this something that is, um, is there a tension, but both sides are kind of um, marginalized in different ways? I will not talk about that as a scholar because I haven't looked through it as a scholar. But I will talk uh, about it like someone who, who, who watch news and who at a certain one experience that through some friends or some people that I, I know. To go back to the World Cup, the World Cup is, is, is just recent. Okay, you know, before the World Cup, we organized the African Cup of Nations mm -hmm. in Cameroon. It was in 20, it was in 2021. 2021, yes. The Moroccan, the, 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 uh, the Morocco team, when they came, they, they came in Cameroon with their water, with their food, with a plane full of everything. They didn't use anything in Cameroon. Really? Yes. That was the, yeah, yes. They, they came with their, their, and also the, the hotel that was allowed to the team, they changed it at the, at the, uh, uh, when they arrived. And I think they were penalized by the, the African, the African Soccer Confederation. From that point of view, you see that they distance themselves from, not from the Cameroonian, but from the Sub-Saharan Africa. Mm. And also we had, a, we had, after, uh, after uh, before the World Cup, right before the World Cup, because that was the what that was Morocco, right after the World Cup, because we get our qualification as Cameroon, Cameroonian team got his qualification in Algeria. Algerian team came in Cameroon, they beat us, and they ha we had to go back uh, in Algeria and play the last match to get the qualification. And we beat Algeria there, and they start to say that, <laughs> they begin to say that uh, we corrupt <laughs> we come up the, 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 the referee and they do that and they, they start to, they, they begin to insult Samuel Ito. Mm -hmm. and, and from that time, I think the, the Algerian uh, uh, manager, team manager start to say that. And that's what he said. When we go to Africa, it's always like this. When they come here, mm -hmm always like this. So, so, so they're automatically saying that they're not a part of Africa. Absolutely. Oh, I got you. So, 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 so that's already the perspective embedded in. They're already saying 
So yeah. Africa means, so if you codify that, so they're saying that the sub-Saharan Africans are the Africans. No, Africa means people, African are black. That's how it means. Right, right. Like, I, understand, I understand that. I understand yes. that, but from their perspective, they're making a distinction between people that look like you versus them. Yes, some events that you can take into account. Uh, you, 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 you know that in Libya, there's no state there. And I'm sure that you heard what happened in Libya last year or the year before about the about the the, the African who were selling who were sell there, selling dead as a as a slave. I don't know if you you heard I about that. It was on CNN. It was on CNN because uh, uh, some reporter from CNN, yeah, they they do some research about that, and it it went in prime time. On I think it was on. On Don Lemon, on Don Lemon TV show, I remember that time. Oh, that's the reason why I didn't watch it because I don't watch CNN. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's but it was interesting that time because okay. they went there, and uh, I remember in Cameroon we had people who come back from Libya and describe how they was they was sell they was sell there like a slave. That's what wow. is happening. It's still happening, mm. and right now. I'm talking right now in, in Tunisia. People mm. are getting, they are, they are going back to their country. And I, I read this morning that the, the, the leader of the of Ivory, of a student from Ivory Coast was killed. Mm. Why? Because they are black. <laughs> because if, I, can, I can say, I can say that because yeah, you also can say that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And to, to make it short, when I was a kid, we used to divide Africa in Black Africa and White Africa. Mm. That's, that's how we were taught in mm -hmm. elementary school. But when I grew up in high school, we didn't have to use those terms. But wow. we had to say Afrique Blanche to White Africa and, 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 and Black Africa. And wow. those people from, from the Maghreb, from the North Africa, Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia. Tunisia no, they are not considered themselves as African. Mm. Because there they are they are they are more developed, they have some they have more infrastructure, infrastructure, and people from Sub-Saharan Africa go there to have some job, to have jobs, to work, to have better opportunity. And mm -hmm. that's how I can describe it. Yes, there's an issue between Arab, Arab from, from North Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa, as we call Black Africa. And yes. just to get a clarification from the audience, um, he referred to Semi Eto, who is one of the most um, famous footballers, um, soccer players, because some of my audience may not even know what a footballer is. Yes. Um, <laughs> but he's one of the most famous um, Cameroonian soccer okay. players. Yes. In the world, um, you say soccer, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure my audience probably knows that I've referred to it as football. You know, the real football, not the fake football. <laughs> yeah, <that's how> <laughs> the real football is soccer. Um, association football that we call soccer um, can't predates American football that we see all the time on television here. But um, no, that stuff that you brought up just then is pretty eye opening. I say. Um, I, I don't have anything like that to compare to here 
Um, I've heard distant stories. I remember there was a girl that I went to school with when I was in ninth grade in high school. And she's the only person that I know, at least in my generation, that had this experience where she lived in Mississippi, the this, this state below Tennessee. And she described the town she was from. And the person would call the role the teacher would. And they would call the student's name and then call them Michael, Black, so-and-so, Susan, White. Like, So that's the only thing I can think of that kind of relates to what you were saying as far as this you know, the categorization aspect, but that's pretty interesting. Um, and um, that there's definitely some tension there. It sounds like there's a lot of tension. Um, yes. And Kiko also, all this is related, I will say, to the, to the place of the black man in the world. It's related to that. Mm -hmm. And that's why they try to they try to collude with Europe or with the Middle East. And you you talk about the World Cup. The Moroccan when they won when they won the that game, they say, we 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 thank the Middle East. That is a game, that is a win for the Middle East. And then after he said, next time he said, for Africa. They don't consider themselves like Africa. Mm. Not, not wow, that's um that's really interesting. And and you also, it almost seems like this happens a lot. This is part of colonization. It really is. And you see this where there's always this intermediary um, situation where people, um, there's a higher colonial power. And then you have these satellites that are part of that colonial structure. And they may not have the same economic infrastructure, but they have a colonized mindset that tries to mimic the superpower, which in this case could be France or the Great Britain or the United States or Germany, whatever it is. And you see that with these countries that were colonized directly by those countries, you may not have um, necessarily the same cultural um, ties, but there's a mindset that goes back to the colonial. Um, my, I don't think people take that into consideration. They just see it as just like a sea of, um, Oh, look at all those brown people, all those black people. But there's so many different subsets within those groups of people and so many different histories that happened that led up to that point. Um, cool. Africa is the most diverse place in the world. It's the most diverse continent um, as far as um, languages. Africa is actually, I'm pretty sure it's larger than most um, land masses. I mean, Africa is a large land mass. And I don't think people consider that because I think there's how many, what, 45 countries in Africa? 55 or 56. Okay. Yes, because recently we had the South South Sudan. Mm, I think yeah. 55 or 56. I think since we're talking about the subject, it may be a um, an appropriate time to kind of transition into your dissertation some. Um, I was able to read parts of it. It was in French and I can read French pretty well, but when you're doing something that's like pretty theoretical, like a dissertation, it's harder to kind of follow. But um, I want my audience to kind of get, because you got to keep in mind, I mean, the audience may not have this so, sort of knowledge base, but kind of share with us what your dissertation is about, 
and how your dissertation ties into kind of what we've talked about um, this first 20 minutes or so. And I wanted to say uh, that when you mentioned colonial mind is correct because when you go back to the French colonial empire, we had that racial hierarchy. We have the white French European, we have, we have in the middle, we have both the Arab, the Arab and the, the Asian people from Indochina and at the, at the bottom, we have the black, the black. Then, yes, of course, we, uh, we, can, we can link that to the colonial mind. And about my dissertation, I, the title first, as you may recall, was from native banlieue dweller, banlieue or banlieusa. Banlieusa is a term in French, uh, an inhabitant of the suburb. Then it was from native to suburb inhabitant. Mm -hmm. of authority in the francophone African novels. To precise this for your, for your audience, that when I talk about suburb, suburbs inhabitant, they need to understand suburbs, not as we refer to in, here in US, because the suburb here in US is supposed to be the place where people who have money, people who have who have money live. It's not the same thing in, the, in France or in the context of my dissertation. The suburb is where we have all the trash. We have all the immigrants. We have, we have all the African descent. That's where they are. They are in the, in, in, uh, they are outside, outside of the society. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to, in that dissertation to scrutinize the way Francophone African writers critic in the writing the colonial um, construction of the African subject as other. Mm -hmm. And uh, a link of what you just talked about, about the, um, the people from the North Africa is that that research um, encompasses uh, three cultural geographical space. I try to make to take African as a whole, North Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, and of course, France, because we have people in, in France who are Africans, the African descent, it's Africa. Then I took all these contexts culturally, geographically, and, and even the space uh, as a whole. And and my, uh, my innovation in that dissertation was that I, the study was transhistoric. I go across, to, I go across um, different, uh, different historical periods, the colonization period. And then after the colonization, we have the waves of migration and the contemporary period. And all those three periods are their particularities. And I also use an interdisciplinary um, approach in order to, 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 to make it uh, more global as possible and to understand what it means, how the African is perceived 
in the space, in that space. Where was, um, what time period are we talking about? Um, what's the span of your dissertation within these novels? You did six novels? Yeah, at that time I used, I used six novels for the dissertation because I'm, I'm working on that now to turn it into a book, to make it into a book. But I used six novels and for the colonial period, the period of colonization before before 60, because most of the African country uh, became independent in 1960, 1960, 1962 with Algeria. And I used two novels. One is from a Cameroonian author, and another one is from the Algeria, from an Algerian author. You see why I say that I use African as a whole. Mm -hmm. And and I for the wave of for the period of immigration, I use one African, one sub-Saharan African from Senegal, and another one from Algeria. And from mm -hmm. the last part, I use the author from from the from from France. They are French citizens, but with African descent. I call them African because what they write or what is or their literature is not considered. It's not included in the in the French literature. That's why I took all these all these novel and decided to use to uh, to to describe or to scrutinize to analyze the way African was perceived was constructed as other. And I'm sure when you were you were talking about the soccer about the soccer, you remember that. In 2018, when France won the World Cup the first time, you remember that uh, that uh, discussion between the guy from the Daily Show, the discussion he has, Trevor Noah has with the French ambassador. You remember that? I don't rem remember the segment, but I remember there was a lot of discussion about um, the French national team and and all the jokes, honestly, the, the ridicule because people were, Basically saying, oh, is that a French team or is that an African team? That 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 yeah. was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's because at that time I think uh, Trevor Noah saw, said that uh, said th uh, thank you and con congratulations to the Africans, to the French African who won the World Cup, and uh, the ambas the French ambassador what, and and uh, said that he was an insult because it was not the African who won the World Cup. Those players were French, not African. And I remember Trevor Noah was saying that why can you just can you just say French and African? Because the problem is that Trevor Noah criticized the fact that the French ambassador was trying to get rid of the African part of, of those players. That was the thing. Mm -hmm. No, I, I totally get that. And um it goes into um, nationality. It goes into uh, the idea of space and race, um, cultural intricacies. Um, I, I, I had some questions about your dissertation because um, what was what was a line of thought that you saw between these writers? Was there anything that they had in common? Because you said that there was a one of the writers you dealt with was an African that was French but African descent, like black African descent. And then you talked about the Algerian writer and then uh, another African writer, correct? Yeah. I don't know if the Cameroonian yeah. or what, but what, yes. what was what was a common 
thread of struggle that they all seem to have a, a problem with? What was a, a common link between those three? In November, ex uh, exactly in November, November 2005, there were a riot in France, in Paris, especially. And the riot started because three, three French citizens, three kids from African descent died. Two of them died because they were, they were running away from, from the policemen who, who thought that they were, they, that they, they steal something. That's what they said. And those kids were running from the police and they get into a, a, an electric generator and they get electrocuted. And after that, Nicolas Sarkozy was at that, was at that time, Nicolas Sarkozy is the former French president. He was at that time, uh, Ministry of the, of the Interior. And he said, he denied the fact that those kids was chased by the policemen. And after that, he said that the, uh, the kids were the robbers. We had so many, so many contradictions. And, late, and though, uh, because those kids died, people from that area, they start, to, they start to burn or they start to protest. They start with the protest. And, and the policemen threw some, some gas into a mosque. That's where the riot became very serious. And they start to burn the cars to, 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 to this. And all, uh, when they start to burn the car, police, the police, the police also get into the road, uh, get into, into, the, in, into the street. We had the confrontation as usual. Because what I, what is need to, to to be to be clear about this is that we are talking about the suburb of France, and what I, I previously said that in that suburb of France we have we have in majority people from Africa. People from Africa. Why? Why? Because when the after the colonization, after the decolonization, people who come, they get stuck there. And before the before the redesign of of the Paris of Paris the of Paris, that was the place where we have so many manufacturers. But because of the because of the crisis, some company left that place and there were nothing there. Okay, you see, like a Detroit, it was like a Detroit. After the crash, no one was no uh, the company left that space. That's mm -hmm. where those people who were who were not uh, who didn't get education, who were most of the time the uh, people from Africa who come from the rural part of Africa, they stopped. They didn't have a job, and their kids didn't have anything to do. They were not high school there because they had to go to the to Paris to go to school. Okay, that's where those people were living, and they start to riot. And because in many of those cities in France, those suburbs were, were, uh, were in place, all the suburbs in all the places in France uh, respond, respond to, the, to, 
to Nicolas Sarkozy and to the official to the official discourse of of of, of French uh, by, by by rioting. Then we had the generalization of the rioting, and it's because the official the French official said that the rioters was they were African and they were boy. When I say boy, you need to understand boy in the sense that uh, the women are those who are who stay at home. Okay, because in the okay in the colonial in the colonial period we have the man and the women. Okay, mm -hmm. the man is the one who he said he said threat to the to the woman because he got all the power and because he got all the power. The woman is for is considered as a second secondary. A second, not only secondary. The woman means nothing. That's that's the perception, and that's so why subordinate, you, subordination, subordinated, and for them the woman place is at the kitchen, mm -hmm, domestic home. Yes, okay. That that's where that's why when they uh, they say that the. The rioters were African, and what? And in this context, there is no separation between the Arab in the black. They are in, they are in the same basket. They are mm -hmm. in the same basket in in contemporary France. They are in the mm -hmm. same basket. The rioters were French, were Africans, not French citizens, but Africans. But you need uh, your audience need to understand that. Some of those kids, or the parents of some of those kids, were born in France. In France, many of them, many of their parents, and you can talk. If you talk about them, you see that there's no way you can call them Africans. It's like me. That's the example I use with my student. I'm an immigrant in U.S. You cannot call my kids here immigrant, and after two generations, you cannot call my descendant. Africans, they are American. Mm -hmm. That's the same context. Those kids or those rioters were called African. And that's what stuck me. And I start to think myself, why? Why are they called Africans? Mm -hmm. How come they, uh, all of those kids are put in the same basket? And I, I realized that to understand the status, to understand their position, to understand their Frenchness or their French, their, their, their Francité, I need to go back to the history and understand how African get linked to the French, to France. Mm -hmm. And that's why I go back to the colonization period to, 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 to describe the treatment of Africans during the colonial period, how it was he was constructed as other because in the colonial period, during the colonial time, we had the French, we had in the French Empire, we had the citizen, the European or the French, the white, and mm -hmm. we had the subject or the colonized. Mm -hmm. And after colonization, then we had a wave of migration because. They were in Africa, they were in the colony, they were colonized. They were subject there. 
it's the same thing during the period, during the wave of migration after 1960, when France decided to go back and find some some manpower, some manpower to come and rebuild France. They go back to Algeria. They go back to Africa. They they allow those people to come in France and build France. Mm -hmm. But what they didn't think, didn't know at that time is that they they will stay there. That's what happened later. And those people, those those immigrants who, who previously were just came to build to build France and go back to Africa, decided to stay in France. Mm -hmm. They become immigrants and they were not seen as a French citizen. They were not seen perceived as human beings. They were living, they were living, uh, I, I will say, far away from the from, from, from the society. Because everything they have to do was just to work. They work from from uh, seven, uh, like 25, 24 seven. That's what they have to do. Mm -hmm. And and that was the immigrant. And right now we have those French citizens who appear to be black or Arabs who are still considered as African. And the question, uh, uh, the, 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 one of the central questions is that if we have people like um, Nicolas Sarkozy, who is a son of, uh, who, who is the son of hungry immigrant, who can become president? Why, why, why can we have the same with the with people who come from Africa? Mm -hmm. And that's that's the problematic of um, of uh, the relationship between France and Africa. And that's that's basically what I try to describe in that dissertation, and and that's what I do. <laughs> I, do. The, I commend the work that you do. Um, we we have, I think, a lot of um, convergence and commonality. Some of the work we do, because my dissertation, you you did an, in, uh, an interdisciplinary sort of approach, and I did the same thing because I did it across languages. I had to do lusophone, francophone. Um, Hispanophone. Yes. So I get the convergences. Um, Haiti's history with the Dominican Republic, even though they're on the same island, but yeah. you have the same kind of description that you talked about um, with um, the Arab Black African dynamic in a sort of like the similar situation there, except you had both groups who are Black people, African descendants. But the Haitians were viewed as the dark blacks and the Dominicans were viewed as the light blacks. Mm -hmm. And and the protagonist that I was working with actually migrated to the Dominican Republic and you know got killed on the parcel massacre in 1937, and which was basically a racial genocide um from you know from Haitians that were trying to go over to find work in the Dominican Republic to find a better living because of the po political system there and all the the bad econ economics that was during the depression, you know? So um, there's just so much that goes into what you said. And this whole idea of being visible and not visible, um, yes. the suburb, the suburb, the suburban that you're describing is distant from the center of society, 
which is um the white French person. And um you're saying that everyone outside of that is not is is basically African, like the Arab and the black in this case are both viewed as African, even though in Africa itself the people who live in Morocco don't see themselves the same way as someone in Senegal or Cameroon, but they're put in the same position in France. You, you, you pointed that out really clearly. And I thought about Latin America when you were describing this, because a lot of people are deceived by the visuals and, but people are also deceived by what they don't see either. Um, I, I have friends that are from these areas in Latin America, like Peru and Ecuador, they have large um, indigenous populations, like Native American populations. And then they say, oh, but there are not many Black people in those areas, but there are Black people in those areas. Those Black people have been invisibilized in those areas. And so when you go to Lima, there are Blacks in Peru, but they live outside of the city, like way outside of the city, like in the shanty towns. And yeah. so that's what I was thinking about. The people there that are marginalized, is it's like it's different in the United States, even not because here we associate poverty with the center, with the city center. The projects and all the housing projects are in the middle of the city, but it's the opposite in Latin America. The the shanties are outside of the city; they're not right in the middle where everyone can see it. It's almost the opposite. That's what I was thinking about when you were describing these um, racial differences, these um, perceptions of othering. Um, it's, it's really fascinating the type of work that we do. And uh, I totally understand what you were trying to do in your dissertation. And I can't wait to read your book once it becomes a book, because I'm, I'm confident that you're going to make that into a book. And I can't wait to read yes. it. Mm -hmm. yes. I do that. I'm, I'm, I will try to see someone to translate that because I'm writing in French. Oh, I'll, I don't know if I can do that for you, but. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I um I was thinking about something you said too about these perceptions of differences. I'm curious, just from your standpoint, you're in the states now, and you were telling me before we got on that um you're here because you have a job in the university, and if you didn't have that protection in the university, you would be in Cameroon. But I'm curious, just like as your from your vantage point, how has been your um. I guess, treatment in the United States, like since you've been in the United States, you've been here for a while. And what is the perception that you have of Black people here? And what do you feel is the perception that Black people have towards you? Okay, first, I will say that I'm really, really happy to be among Black, to be African-American. Because I cannot call myself African American, I will because it will not describe me best. Mm -hmm. I'm an African in America because I cannot understand what it means to be African American. I did not experience slavery. I did not experience the Jim Crow or so other thing. I came from Africa, where I have the white superstructure, we have the colonial, the colonial link. And I think it's different. And yesterday I was talking with my student about the difference between an African and a black African in the US and the black 
um, and the black man from the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. And it's almost what you're asking me. Because I will say, when I meet, when I'm with an African-American, I will say, honestly, Kiko, that I feel safe. I feel welcome. Then I be, I'm, I'm with an African. It's curious, but that's the truth. You feel safer with black people in the United States as opposed to Africans like from Africa? I will say that. Um, and it's not only me. An African is is um, is I, I will say I maybe it's in the university area, in the university world or mm, in the environment. But mm -hmm. I'm always happy. I feel welcome because African American, when he see me, I think he see the experience he had from slavery. He see me like him, mm -hmm. like someone who was marginalized. When an African see me, <laughs> we we experience colonization together, and colonial colonization was brutal. Not as uh, maybe not as slavery because honestly I cannot talk about slavery I cannot, but colonization was brutal in the sense that he break uh, colonization break the wholeness of Africans. Mm -hmm. For Africans, the white is the perfection. Mm -hmm. We need to identify ourselves and Africa an African in U.S. He looks, he seems to have the idea that we are not, we are, we are so many, and there's no, there's no room for all of us. Mm -hmm. I need to be the one. I need to be the one, and I need to do everything to please the master, and I need to 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 to, to push uh, people. Uh, my other African uh, friends out of the of, out of the way. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I can say, and and I think it's about I think that is colonial that will that will be is colonization. And I will tell you that uh, that anecdote. I think I, I don't know if I told you before before, but when I was in at University of Oregon. And you I was, did, I I, you I was, tell me. I was waiting for you to tell me this. Yes, I wear my African clothes. I was happy to work on campus with my African clothes. And my Cameroonian friend told me that, God, what, what's going on with you? Why are you wearing this? We already know that you're African. Why are you wearing this? Mm. <laughs> it means that an African who comes here, want to disappear, or he want to get rid of his African of his African uh, identity. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to be seen as African in certain way, in certain position. He doesn't want to get identified as African American. Interesting. Because in the mind, and I was talking, I was discussing with someone recently. We almost, we almost. Uh, I, I was angry. I was upset because we, we it was almost a fight. But, but he was saying that um, 
was the guy is in, in France and he has his cousin who who came here with the lottery with, with the with a green card. And that guy told him that African Americans are idiot. They're lazy. They don't do anything. They have everything. They they uh, they have everything, but they don't take advantage of that. And I was telling the guy that you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Me as African, when I came here, when I come in this country, when I came here, I had, I, I was, I had many chances that African American who live here doesn't have. And I see that with my student here. I, when I came here as African, I had a school, I had a, I had a scholarship. I had a small a, a stipend to study. Many African American doesn't have the opportunity to go to college. But that you cannot understand. Mm -hmm. It's really bizarre. We have source, we have all this. It's really, it's a mess. I can, you see why I pick some idea here, but it's really a problem. And to, 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 to make it short, uh, my, my mentor at Borden told me that Africans, she's, she's from the Caribbean. She told me one day that Africans here in the US are not the truth worthy. You cannot rely on them. I don't know if it's because they are immigrants, but they are not sympathetic about the black cause because they think that they are Africans, that the fight of African-Americans are not there. Mm -hmm. I think what you're describing is so important because um, and my audience is really going to get a lot of, um, I think they're going to have a lot of questions even after this interview is over. But um, But these conversations are needed because I think what is happening is a lot of deflection and reflection. I think that um, I think that wherever you are in the world and you're black, whether it's the Caribbean, whether it's Africa, whether it's France, whether it's the United States, we obviously experience colonization, but in very different ways. But I understand what you're describing. Like everything you said, I was like, "Yep, I've I've, I've seen that before. I've perceived that before." But I've seen the blacks that I grew up with. And they don't consider themselves, they don't consider Blacks in Brazil, they don't consider them as Black as they are. They don't consider um, people from Africa that are Black. They don't even consider them Black. It's like you were saying before, there's almost this like uh, ownership from within. Like I have to claim how powerful I am as a Black person. I see a lot of that. But I also see people who are trying to learn and figure it out too. I do see people trying to retrieve these um, historical pieces of the jigsaw puzzle that have been fragmented because of the middle passage because of um jim crow um era because of reconstruction or before any of this happened at all um like you said you maybe the people in cameroon don't know what the slave experience was here but you had to deal with other colonial infrastructural measures and and you know we had to deal with it in a different way too and i think that's where um i, I like to see it as like 
wherever I go in the world, I feel a special connection to other black people. Um, my wife is, is a white woman, but she's pointed this out several times, how blacks have a special connection wherever you go. And I, I, I do believe that. I, I Wherever I go in the world, I get excited when I see other black people. When, when you came to UT, when I first met you, I was so excited when I saw you. There's like... I don't know if there should always be a connection like that, but that just for me, it's always been like that. It's like, okay, I see another black person. Yeah, but I'm just because, automatically so excited, you know? Because sorry to stop you, but at the same time, at, at UT, and we talk about, there were an African who come into the department. And I, 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 I asked him to have a coffee with me or a drink. He never, he was so distant. Wow, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I you remember you telling me that. Yes, it, that's how it is. That's how it is. Is that because of, um, is that a status thing? Because you made a comment earlier about um, there seems to be a perception that it's so weird. Like you said, Africans can't be around each other. There's, there's, there's that sort of a mentality. But then there's also a mentality that we are African, but we don't want to be viewed as African-Americans from the United States. Yeah, it's true that we can go. Uh, it's really it's really deeper than that. But uh, because as a Cameroonian, when I see another Cameroonian, we know each other, we have, we have our own problem, but it becomes an issue with all the Africans. What if I see an African, most of the time, not all of them, I'm not, and, and to be, and also I want to mention that I'm not talking about all the African, but I just talk about the general feeling. When you, when an African meet another African, sometimes there's a problem. And I was talking with about that the mentor of mine, and she told me that she doesn't feel welcome among African uh, about black women in Maine at that time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Why? Is it because she was professor and the other were not professor? I don't know. But there are so many things, and I think we can we can connect that with colonization. Mm -hmm. I used to say that colonization was really was a success. It was a terrible success because mm -hmm. uh, yes. I think it comes back to like a certain level of ignorance, but so because I have one colonization. Because ignorance is like ignorance is not only you can be ignorant, not only because you don't want to, you don't want to consider the other point of view, but because even if you have reached a point to where you're open to another point of view, you still. Um, you ridicule it like or, or you you don't it's like you understand it because you've been exposed to it but you choose to not acknowledge it any more than you have to based on whatever setting you're in whether you're in the university you may act a different way and you have the same information but when you go home you have a different point of view about it i think uh, i think there's a lot of that going on like a lot of the cultural switching I thought about Amy Césaire when you were um, yes. when you were writing your dissertation, and you mentioned Amy Césaire, and 
I thought about that too, that whole idea of um, people in Martinique, people in Guadalupe, people in um, uh, in South America who come from the French departments. Um, do those people a lot of times, because they're technically friends, right? Yes. They're so, so technically friends, even <laughs> though on the map it says Martinique, Guadalupe, and you're saying to yourself, yeah, man. yes. But, but friends, that's friends though, right? Oh, yes. And us, yes, it's really different because when you bring that, when they are in France also, it looks like there's also a malaise between those French citizens from the Caribbean, from Martinique, Guadeloupe, and the African. Mm -hmm. And I had a documentary that I'm using in my African diaspora class. A woman from Martinique said that she mentioned the fact that before coming to France, that, yeah, before coming to France, she didn't know that she was from Africa. She thought that her ancestors were white. And by miracle, they turned, she was black. I was surprised <laughs> to read. I was surprised to hear that. But and when she mentioned, yeah, in France also, we have that malaise. And that's why I say that sometimes and it's really difficult. It's, it's difficult to be, to just be black sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult. And when you, when you read those novels, when you just study those people, you understand sometimes you feel really bad and you understand that we have a lot of job to do. You mentioned ignorance. Ignorance is is play a, a play a huge part of that ignorance. But mm -hmm. ignorance, yes, they are ignorance. And there, I was thinking about this. Um, I think it still goes back to the the superiority aspect of it. Like each person, depending on which space they're in have this sense of superiority um, even within the marginalized groups. And I think that that goes back, it, it's, it's another colonial mindset because we know even in our departments, we have the Hispanophone and the Francophone, Lusophone, Anglophone. And that's a perception even in these same foreign language departments that we're in. It wasn't long ago that people said that you couldn't or it wasn't as acceptable to include something outside, like if Spanish was your department, well, you can't include stuff from Haiti, you can't include stuff from Portugal or, or anything like that because that's not the same language. But that's discounting the cultural connections between Haiti and the Dominican Republic, Haiti and Cuba. You can't just make it based on language because black culture uh, transcends language. And so that's why these departments now are being more receptive to interdisciplinary. It's actually, if anything, now interdisciplinary is more desired and preferred because everyone thinks it's so cool now to be like, oh, I'm doing something that's interdisciplinary, that's Black, Haiti, and this and that. It's almost become a trend. But if you go back 20 years ago, people were not really encouraging you to be like, no, you should do Haiti, you should do Peru, you should do that. They used to compartmentalize it as you have to stick to Cuba, Puerto Rico over here and Haitians belong over there and those types of 
people belong over there, even though they're black, they're different. And you can't really do that based on what we're trying to do. The work we're doing transcends uh, geographic boundaries and cultures and languages. You have to see it as a whole and sort of analyze it within the whole like you did in your dissertation. Yes, yes, that's true. And also, I think you mentioned ignorance, I think, is something that you need to take into account. And to be honest, African do, as African, I don't really know my story as, as African. If I, if I tell you that 10 years ago, I didn't know anything about, about Haiti except the name of Toussaint Louverture. Yes. And even now in Africa, people don't know why Haiti is so poor. People don't know anything about, about the, the double debt. People don't know anything about that. I'm sure that even some, 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 some African professors don't know anything about that. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with Africa. You know, when I was in high school, I used to learn anything about the US, France, and the last chapter where about Cameroon. And the professor didn't reach that point. That's why sometimes a student complete the high school without, without learning about Cameroon or about his country, about Africa. And if you don't know, if you don't learn about Africa, if you don't learn about other African or old of African diaspora, you will, you will not see the, uh, another black like like you or like you are your like your brother like someone like you and that's why we always seen people from uh, black from brazil they are too they are too distant they are not us african-american know that those are african-american african from peru no they are not african that's why we have all this and i think that sometimes it's come from african because black in america they remember African, even if it's the impossible Africa, the, the, the mythical Africa. They remember that they came from Africa. Mm -hmm. I think maybe it can explain why Africa, Africans seen the, uh, uh, the Black from the diaspora differently. Maybe, that's, maybe this can explain why we have those, those mafians mm -hmm. among, each, among each other. But, the, but even the diasporic Africans are, um, we have these perceptions too. I'm not saying me personally, but I've, I've yeah. definitely, I've always tried to see Africa as, as a whole, including the diaspora. That's the way I've always tried to, that's what I try to promote. Yes. But um, even within these diasporic communities, there's always this, um, it's almost a litmus test. Sure. Yeah. there's a litmus test of where you have to um, like blacks now and it's like some of the people that I talk to now they're not convinced that black Cubans are black it's like they're not they would never be black enough for them because uh -huh. because they're so invested in their own identities and their own experiences they don't see it as possible that a black person in Cuba can understand what I've gone through but they have and, and it's and it's the same thing. The same playbook happens depending on whatever space you're in. The black Cuban is saying the same thing. How can these black people in New Jersey 
or in San Antonio, Texas, or in Paris, France, or in Douala, Cameroon. Like, how can these people understand me? It's because we've been separated like this throughout time and space. And I think it's because there there's, hasn't been efforts. The efforts to divide us have been stronger than the efforts to bring us together. I think that's what it is. And, and I don't think we do a good enough job as people to sort of learn from each other because we're always so concerned about is it's not global enough is everything is about local 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 can only take you so far you have to have a global perspective too and i think that's why a lot of my friends are they kind of get stuck in this political like um it's almost a numbness because it's like they start talking to me about politics and even though we have a lot of the same views they only look from within the United States. They don't see how the United States connects to the rest of the world and how the stuff that happens here affects everybody else and vice versa. And so it's like, to me, that's always going to limit you and it's always going to limit your politics because you're only seeing it, you have a, a limit to what you're understanding because you won't break down the ceiling, you won't break down the screen to try to understand the other groups. I do, I do have... um. I had a few more minutes before we conclude because I got I actually got places to go. I know you probably do too. Okay. But I'm I'm curious about when you were living in Cameroon, what is the perception of the world in Cameroon as far as like what what is on your television programming that forms your mentality about the rest of the world around you? Like what kind of news do you get over there? And what types of relationships do you have with countries? Um, outside of this U.S. Western Europe alliance in Cameroon. Okay, before the nineties, before the before the the end of the nineties, we were not open. Anyway, we didn't have cable. We didn't have TV. We only watched a national t television. And I remember you. We, it, it was only at the end of the of the of the of the news that we had some some news from all over the from the rest of the world that and at that time as uh, as kids i would say i didn't have any any idea about what was going on outside the world out outside cameroon after the 19 in the year 2000 when television when television when everybody was able to to have a television and when we have the cable and until now a Cameroonian is more aware of what is going on outside than the, what what is going on in the same city you will say it's the same thing here me <laughs> yes but mm -hmm. it's it's more i think for the Cameroonian is they are much aware about what's going on outside because first, there is not many opportunities in Cameroon and everybody, I will say, everybody want to get out of Cameroon. Mm. Yes, they think that everything that's good is outside. Everything that is, that is, um, that is perfect, it's out of the country. I will, we have those economical problems. We have the problem with the human rights. We have problem with the, with that war that is uh, that 
that's happening since 2016 in the in the anglophone part and we have the insecurity in the north part with boko haram this insecurity in the in the east part with the with the, the with the, the 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 terrorists from the from central african republic it was not like this before but right now in cameroon people feel insecure and uh, recently they the uh, a journalist was was uh, was abducted and he was killed 5 days after and he was brutally killed. You know, they cut his finger, they cut his, they, he was mutilated. And so until now, we had few, we had few people that were arrested, but we don't know exactly who gave the order because it go into a, people, some people mentioned the Ministry of the Justice. You see, they feel insecure. And also uh, the relationship right now between Cameroon and the other country, I would say the same, it's the same relationship between each African country and the country that, that uh, and the neighbor, the country, the, the, the neighbor or his, or his, or the, uh, the, the country that is in Africa. I am sure that you, you heard like uh, recently, that some black, some African was was uh, expelled from from South Africa. It's the same thing in Cam in Cameroon. We had we had uh, people who were expelled from Equatorial Guinea, which is close to us. Some were expelled from Gabon. <laughs> you see, mm -hmm. people don't want, uh, as uh, Professor Bembe said, people don't want African in Europe, but in Africa, we don't want ourselves. Wow. Mm. That's how life goes in Africa. And I don't know how to, how it will end, but it has something to do with the, the human rights. People are not free to talk. People feel insecure. People don't have enough to eat. I think it's simple as that. They don't have enough to eat. Because mm -hmm. I left my, my country what, because, because I didn't have enough money to live decently. I was I was civil servant. I had a job. But I couldn't live. Mm -hmm. Because when you have your salary, you so many people rely on you. Life becomes impossible. Everybody wants to get out of the country. Mm-hmm. And, and from your vantage point, the number one, um, what's the first destination that people think of? France? Mm, France? France, it becomes difficult to go to France, but they go to France. But uh, people uh, right now, we people, a lot of people go to Canada because with the Canada immigration. Many people, many, many uh, people who got uh, many graduate, many college graduate, they go to Canada because it's so easy to get there. Mm -hmm. They have, they already have a job in Cameroon. They have, uh, they have, they have some, some, some. They have some skills and they go there. But even in Europe, 
I think two years ago, uh, a research uh, point the fact that in Germany, there were more Afro Cameroonian doctors than in Cameroon. Mm -hmm. And I think in this is the same case in France. I will say Germany, Germany, but we, I'm sure we have more uh, Cameroonian in France. But recently, we have more go, more uh, more of them go to Germany to Bel Belgium. You know, Belgium people speak French and mm -hmm. and Canada also because they speak French there. They are we have many Cameroonian there. I can I don't have the the exact number because I didn't look into that uh, scholar. But because I see people people travel, people go out of the country, Germany. And before the, before the COVID, of course, they go to Germany and recently Canada. Mm -hmm. But um, I guess you've answered pretty much all the questions I had. I had a whole list of questions here, and I think we had a great conversation. Um, I'm going to listen to it again, and I'm going to probably have more questions. Um, Absolutely. I definitely I learned a that. lot, though. I learned I so much. We'd, we'd be glad to have you. you back down the road for sure, um, just to um, open the discussion up even more, I think, um, because the point of this pod is to, we do a lot of politics on here, but we do culture as well. I, I think the two really go good together. And I think um, understanding both can kind of enrich people's experiences more as, as, um, as far as understanding humanity a little bit more. And um, that's what we want to do. We want to promote education on this pod and not simply overreactions because um, I could easily create a platform and put a shiny object in front of the camera and get a million people to watch it, you know? And then you have your subscribers go up to a million people, which I think is it happens too often. I don't think people want to take the time to start from the ground up and educate people. And, and that's what I want to do here. I want people to actually talk to each other, learn from each other, and maybe we can build networks to where we can have um, a world that we can envision where we feel comfortable and and we feel like education is valued and not so much um, driven by headlines and driven by the newest cool object that's going to finally die in style and fashion. But we need something that's consistent to where people are constantly learning. I feel like the stuff on television now and even the stuff on the radio and everything else is just so it's it's so dumbed down to where people can't learn if they want to. They just um it's all it does is just reinforces what they already felt that they knew before. They it doesn't challenge them. And I want this podcast to challenge people and I want it to challenge even my own views because I'm learning from the guests each day. I'm learning from everyone I talk to. And so that's the whole point is to learn from each other and stop judging people so much and actually try to understand, you know, people that you're around. Like that's the whole point. Yes. But uh, I thank you, Gerard, again, uh, Dr. Kube. Uh, and if an audience member had a question for you directly or if they wanted to get in touch with you, how would they be able to do that? Okay, you have my contacts. <laughs> yes, okay. I will be glad to talk. To discuss and to learn from you know when you discuss with someone you always learn and we always learn i will be glad to discuss with 
with anybody and or to chat with him, with him or her. There's yeah, no I have your information. I'll link it in the description. Your uh, McDaniel um, information. Yes. But check out Gerard's work. Um, I know some of y'all don't speak French, but um, I think this information that you learned about today will be of value to a lot of people. And um, I'll be awaiting the book that you publish down the road. I know people ask me the same thing. Kiko, when are you going <laughs> to publish your book? Because I've already gotten pressure from people uh, to publish this book, my dissertation into a book. I just have to find the time to write. You know, it's hard to find the time. Is. That's The cool. brain space, right? <laughs> That's cool. It's hard to find the time. <laughs> but beautiful people, this was an excellent episode 32. And um, I can't wait to talk to you down the road, Gerard. I'm pretty sure that there's going to be some other stuff that comes up to where we revisit this conversation and we expand on this conversation. But um, I thank you for your time and um, have a wonderful day, beautiful people. And cheers. Okay. Thank you, Kiko. Be safe.